Welcome to another edition of the Jungle Juice Podcast. It's Sam Gormley with Mick Nelson with you on another Victory Wednesday. Mick, I'm, I'm liking this little streak here of victory games. It makes these, this podcast a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, we, uh, we're here on another Victory Wednesday. This is our fifth, fourth, fifth, fourth, fourth in a row. One of them is a bye week, so... Yes. Yeah, the, yes. We it's, haven't we haven't had a somber podcast in a minute. It's and I hope a, that that's great. not just the good old jinx that we've thrown on the team right now. And if it is, then we'll we'll shove a foot in our mouth next week and do that. We've done that quite a bit over these past couple of weeks. Yeah, um, I did it last week and we were fine. So yeah, it, it it's you good know? though. But yeah. We want to thank everyone for tuning in though today for today's episode of Jungle Juice. We got a great show planned for you, of course. We will recap the striping success that was Sunday night football against the Buffalo Bills. We have the good, the bad, and the ugly from that. Uh, Then we're going to preview what I think is when we looked at the schedule when it came out in in May or April or whenever. I can't remember when it came out. I think admittedly, Mick, we both kind of just, that was one of those games that we just immediately W. Like W, it's a win. It's perfect. We can move on. It's great. It's an easy one. But now, all of a sudden, this Texans game is is a little bit more interesting. We're going to have to dive into that, especially because the Texans injury report is is extensive. And by extensive, I mean like 23 players deep. that We're going to have to break all that down. We'll let you know about all of that. Uh, and plenty more. We'll end the show, of course, with our picks of the week. We want to be sure to thank our good buddy Josh Isles over at WDN Today. Uh, we were streaming on his page, on the Jungle Juice YouTube page, Jungle Juice Facebook page. Actually, Knock on Wood seems to be working right now, nice. which is really good. And uh, make sure to, to uh, listen to us on your favorite podcast platform as well, as we have Spotify, we have iTunes, we have pretty much anywhere that you listen. Uh, we can bring you and listen back to the show in case you potentially miss it from there. But first, Mick, I think we should hit up and start off with some of the news from the week. Uh, last week, there was quite a bit of news, and the fact that there was quite a bit of news was more the fact that there was no news because we were talking about the fact that they did nothing at the trade deadline. Uh, but today, really, roster move-wise, Charlie Jones uh, began He's the 21-day window. So what that means is that they now have 21 days to put him onto the active roster. And if they would wait through that in that 21 days, he would and not activate him. He would immediately go back to the injured reserve. But he was a full participant in practice today, which to me says, Mick, that uh, there's not only a good chance that he will be back in that 21 day window, but he could even be back on Sunday. And I think that's an underrated add to this team. Yeah, we got our punt returner back, you know, the last time we saw him play. He had the longest touchdown of the season, and it still stands as the longest touchdown of the season and was also the first punt return we've ever we saw for a touchdown since when was the last one before Charlie Jones? It's gotta be at Adam Jones. Was it Pac-Man? It it has to be. I, I would imagine. We we know it wasn't Darius Phillips. We've we considered it a win. Or somebody or you know, it, oh, it had yeah, to it have, been. have been Brandon Tate. I can't um, imagine that. How yeah. you feel about Nick Scott is how I felt about Brandon Tate. Is it really? I was not a fan of Brandon Tate at all. I I was not, but we I don't oh, need to get into Brandon Tate. I don't Tate necessarily blame you there. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Nick Scott, he did something. 
Yeah, we'll have, to talk about that. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to talk about that in a few minutes. We might have to just have you sh- shove your foot in your mouth at all the people that you've crapped on in the past couple of weeks. If, because if I, get, they... if I could get my foot to reach my mouth, I'd do it. <laughs> but uh, also, they... it, it, let's preface this. It's not like he forced the fumble or anything. Yeah, he, he, make recovered. The tackle. he, he recovered it. He went low and made the tackle on the play, so he at least gets like partial credit, but the he, ball was poked he, out he by is, someone else. He has shown an improvement to his strengths, which is run defense. Uh, coverage, entirely different story, but yeah, Nick Scott had a decent game, and uh, I guess uh, should we go ahead and segue into the Bills game, or do we have any well, other first, news we wanted to touch on? Let's go through some of the other news, and I really wanted to talk about, because some, some of the biggest news of the week, too, is is the really interesting portion of what the AFC North is right now. Uh, because the AFC North, the Bengals have been playing really well. There's no question about that, but they're not the only ones. Uh, I mean, nope. the Steel beat the Titans on Thursday night football, and listen, Mick, I know we've, we've, I don't know how much we've talked, but you know, me, you can see it above, I guess it's above this shoulder. Uh, I don't know really how much it pokes, it, it appears, but that's a UK logo. So big Kentucky fan here, uh, Will Levis, love the guy. There was no bigger Will Levis fan in the world than me last Thursday night, especially when he was going on that last drive against the Steelers, because there were some moments where it looked really good and I was really cheering for him, but the Steelers end up Really, I guess we could say pulling a monkey out of their hat, which seemingly is all they do all season. Yeah. In finding ways to win. Uh, we'll talk, obviously, more about the Steelers here in a couple of weeks when the Bengals play them, but how do you read into them? How do I read into the Steelers? Yes. Um, they have a very good defense. Um, they have a quarterback that doesn't lose them games. Uh, you know, I think Kenny Pickett, is essentially the definition of a of a game managing quarterback where he's not going to lose you a game but he's not going to you know wow you or really will the offense to win games um and then you know there's just been uh I don't know I feel like there's been a little bit of a luck factor to it you know where they they've they, they seem to be that team that just hangs around the you know for the first three quarters of a game and it's a one score game in the fourth quarter and and you know believe it or not they're they're well coached enough to the point where they overcome those one score deficits or tie games in the third quarter and they end up coming out on top i mean that's i think they're a fairly beatable team for yeah, the I, I, can... I, I yeah they don't they're... scare me and really the browns i mean if if in a way, they're not the same team, but they're very similar. And by that, I mean is that their defense scares me a whole heck of a lot more than what their offense can bring. Now, the Browns might have just a little bit better offense, but it's not like I'm over here thinking that the Browns are are the Ravens as far as offensively. Uh, and I do kind of agree with, with what Tommy, Tommy I agree Tommy, with that. <laughs> what Tommy says there. But I, I think that that's what makes the AFC North really interesting because I said a couple of weeks ago, and I might have been a little bit wrong, is that I said, I'm not sure how good the AFC North team is, but I think it's very competitive. Uh, I might have been a little wrong. I think it actually is good, but I do think there is some fool's gold in there, and that's primarily with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I think a little bit of that is with the Cleveland Browns, but I think the Baltimore Ravens, as much as I might not want to admit it, are the real deal. Yeah, they've looked really good. Uh, you know, I 
I wasn't a big fan of the Todd Munkin hire. I thought it was going to, um, I didn't think it was going to end up working out very well. The receivers they got, I wasn't too big on other than Zay Flowers. Um, and then, you know, there's that question going into the season is Lamar, how is Lamar going to look transitioning to this pass heavy offense? Um, and they still run the ball at a pretty high clip. Uh, let, let's, let's, you know, let's take that into account too, but they're doing it in more of a scramble fashion than a designed run fashion with Lamar. And Lamar's looked better throwing the football this year than I think I've seen him throw the ball his entire career. Um, and then the defenses, uh, the defenses, you know, again, played like a traditional Baltimore Ravens defense, which is nasty. They're, you know, I think they're giving up the lowest points per game on average right now in the NFL. It's either one, they're either number one or number two. And uh, yeah, I was totally wrong um, at the beginning of the year when I, when I thought that we had a, uh, there was a clear, you know, regression candidate in the division. And I thought it was Baltimore. And I think Baltimore may have, may have look like the best team in the league right now. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I see the, they're not a team though that would would scare me in the playoffs too much. Yeah, so and, and that, why I say that is because yeah. I, I listen. And again, look, I'm throwing it. You can talk about this. I, I I've seen Lamar Jackson play plenty of times, and the one thing about Lamar is that when when the lights get brighter, he he doesn't always come through. That and, and I mean another big thing with Lamar Jackson is, and this is not me being a hater. It's just fact. The injury bug has hit him over these past couple of seasons at about this point in the year. Now, is the different, you know, aspect of this changing? Like, is is the new offense going to help him not get as hurt as much? I don't know. But that, to me, if if Lamar stays healthy, it's going to be really tough for the Bengals to win the division, uh, especially if they can't win next week. I mean, next week is such a big game uh, against the Ravens. And we'll obviously talk about that on next week's show. But uh, still, I, I'm, I'm going to be very interested in that. And I, I think the AFC North is is far and away the most competitive division. And it would not shock me if all four teams make the playoffs. I don't think it'll happen, but it definitely wouldn't shock me if all four do make it. Is it statistically possible for it to happen? I think so. I, I haven't I, done. I, want, I haven't done the math I, on it, but I think, I, I think so. It's probably highly unlikely. I didn't. I, I wasn't sure if it were possible or not. It probably is. I mean, this is. This has to be like one of the only times in in history where we're like nine, ten weeks into an NFL season, both teams or in all four teams in one division or or above. 500 by two games yeah two games above 500 which is which is just just wild to think about uh how the Bengals though got to that two games above 500 was a win against the bills on sunday night football cameron writes in and says so you guys think that that striped the jungle night this past sunday was a success and as we shift into the good the bad and the ugly from the game against the bills mick i think that one right there has got to be a good i the the striped the jungle i i felt like it was going to look cool but I, I tried to temper my expectations. It was really cool. It was awesome. Uh, I think that deserves its own category. We'll uh, we'll put it into like the. We'll start with it. Awesome, great category. Great category. Yeah, it was. Um, 
and I kind of agree with you. I was like, you know, it, 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 let's take the whiteout, for example. It's kind of easy to tell everybody going to the game, hey, wear white for the whiteout. Um, this requires a little bit more communication in terms of, you know, making sure everybody knows what color to wear in their section. Um, and it just really works out for the Bengals because, you know, tiger, tiger stripes, the, um, you know, and it looked awesome. It was, it was probably my favorite theme event that we, you know, game that they've had in any game that I've gone to in my lifetime. So I, I have no, no doubt this will be back next year. Maybe, maybe we could do it for a playoff game if we get a home playoff game. Yeah, I, I think it looked really cool. Uh, it'll be interesting that in the case I'd be is let's say the Bengals only get one home primetime game next year. Like, would they make one of these like a four twenty five game? Like, how are they going to pick between those two? It, it'd be interesting. But if they keep on winning like they are, I don't think there's any question that they'll get two. And I think really what the NFL is looking at as well is they're seeing that they're doing cool things and it's a great atmosphere, which I think combines to make it a more watchable game yeah. for, because I mean, the primetime games, they're not trying to pull in us to watch the Bengals game. They know we're going to watch no matter what, what they're trying to do is to get the fan like that game on Monday night or Sunday night. They were trying to get the Jaguars, the, the uh, Cardinals and the Seahawks fan to watch the game. You know, the, the yep. guys who wouldn't have watched it and I think doing those cool things and these casual fans of other teams saying, well, yes, in Cincinnati, that's the place that they did the whiteout. That's the place they did the stripe out. It's it's going to do. And I mean, every time they cut to the blimp shot, it just looks super, super cool. It looked even better from the blimp than it might have in person. Yeah, no, the uh, the aerial view of the uh, of the of the stripe out was that, that that's you just kind of felt a sense of accomplishment as soon as you saw that as a fan, right? Where you were like, wow, they actually pulled that off and they pulled it off in spectacular fashion. They, uh, great time, great time. I need to get like a picture of it to hang up. Well, so they're selling them at the pro shop now. I did. I heard, that, that, that I heard they can... were already on that. You could do that. It, it is. It's it's really cool. Maybe, I, I don't know if your wife would be okay with taking down Nelson's and putting that picture up above <laughs> your head right now. Uh, she she might be okay with it. She might not. She might be watching and leave a comment to, to, to let her opinion, but uh, it would be kind of funny to see. Into I the think game, she would like it. Yeah, well, why wouldn't she, right? I mean, you've already got your season ticket member blanket on, so you just got to yeah. go all the way in and, and have it. Uh. As far as the game itself, uh, going into the good, the bad, and the ugly from that, with the good, uh, I think the first good that we have to mention is is the tight ends. You know, they elevate Tanner Hudson last week. Uh, he had a great, a really solid game. Uh, Irv Smith catches the touchdown pass on the first drive, and then just like everyone expected, Drew Sample has about a 27-yard <laughs> catch and run for a touchdown where he hurdles a man, because I know you had that on your bingo card, Mick. Uh, just like you had your your parlay of an Irv Smith, Joe Mixon, Drew Sample touchdowns for the Bengals. I mean, that was clearly everyone had that. I'd love to know what the payout of that would have been. But I, I think the tight ends have heard it, deservedly so, all season long. 
and they came up with a great game. Yeah. No, it was definitely the best uh, tight end showing for the Bengals this season. All three tight ends uh, ended up contributing in a in a significant way. As you mentioned, Irv Smith and Drew Sample both with touchdown. Tanner Hudson, I think, was number two on the team in receiving yards or maybe number three. Um, yeah, no, they had a real, they, they all three had good games. Um, you know, and I don't know, I don't think I've had as much Irv Smith slander as a lot of people have had on the guy. Definitely not to the level of Nick Scott. Of your slander. Nick Scott slander. <laughs> yeah, my one, my one thing on Irv Smith, and it wasn't anything about his skill, even though he really didn't display any going into Sunday's game, was that. It, I just didn't think his athletic profile was a good fit for the offense. Um, but, you know, Joe made a good throw to him in the end zone. He made a, uh, what do you have, three catches for, let's see what the box score is. Three catches yeah, for, I, you know, a few yards or whatever. Yeah, he had know, a great game. And he I think really, really uh, take out the fumble against the 49ers. And I realize, yes, we can't take the fumble out. It happened. He's really put together two solid games. Because uh, yeah, he had a good game other than that, you know, and, and it was a massive mistake against the 49ers. 100% admit that. You you won't hear anybody that'll say that. I'm sure he'd be one of the first ones to tell you that as well. But I think he's put together two things. And I think that almost is one of the X factors of the offense the past two weeks is that addition. Yes, the Joe Burrow effect of him actually being able to move the ball and move outside the pocket and run. But I think using the tight end a little bit more and getting production out of the tight end has has really taken the offense to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's I don't know if it's the most ideal situation to tight end. Uh but you know the fact that they were able to to actually put together a good game uh you know despite the fact that Jamar was you know pretty much blanketed for a good portion of the game now you know, Jamar did come away with, you know, you know, four catches for 41 yards, but that's not, you know, the statistical output that we're usually seeing from him. Um, but the fact that they were able kind of to pick up, uh, pick up the slack a little bit from anybody other than T Higgins, that was, um, yeah, that was great for the offense. And you can see that Joe's starting to test, you know, trust his weapons a lot more um, as the season goes on. Yeah, with, without question on that. Another one of the good for me is. I mean, we can throw Burrow in there. I, I think he kind of goes without being without talking right now. He's playing, he's playing really good football right now. Oh yeah, and and he's he's controlling the offense the right way. Uh, and again, I think he's he's going to be one of those guys that if the Bengals win, more than likely he'll be in the good category for the rest of the season. Uh, yep. it, it'll be tough for him to play good and the Bengals not win just with how good of a quarterback that he actually is. Another one of the good for me was the start of the game. Uh, and NBC ended up putting up a stat in the game. I went back and rewatched at least the first half of it uh, last night or night before last or something. And I learned that the Bengals, since the start of the 2021 season, are 21-2 and two when scoring first. That is an ungodly stat. Because I know when, when the stadium and they announced that the Bengals wanted the football. I was kind of like, ooh, interesting. Because I'm kind of in the in the realm of wanting to defer. 
mm-hmm. because then you can try and go two for one at the half. But now that I'm hearing this 21 and two when scoring first since 2021, are you just wanting to take the ball every single time now? Yeah. So here's the one thing, and it's not like a, a I don't know how quantifiable it is, but you know, they say something about slackers and, you know, and they have it on their resume and I'm talking about myself when I say this, but like, you know, operates well under pressure, which is usually the only times that I like to operate well. Um, I think that's a part of this offense's resume is that they want the pressure to be on them immediately. And yeah, they don't have the opportunity to go two for one and a half. So if you take the ball first, you need to be up, by at least a touchdown going into halftime to have a good chance of winning the football game. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do like, and I, I think it's risky, yes, but I do like that, you know, they're taking the risk and they're putting the pressure on themselves to go out and dominate the start games. And I think it sets the tone early. I think it sets the tempo early. It's making other teams play catch up. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of it. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. I uh, I mean, and, and it's hard to go against the numbers. I mean, 21 and two. That's that's stupid on how yeah. good that is as far as numerically for for this team. I mean, you do that, you're you're going to win a whole lot of football games. It's just you know winning 21 out of every 23. As well, and and I do agree with what Riley says here. Defense plays better under the pressure as well. I think there's yep. there's a lot of truth to that, and I think this defense also plays better, and really any defense does when they got the lead. Is yep. I think this this Lou Anarumo defense is built on more of the philosophy of bend but don't break. Yeah, and if you know you've got that cushion, you can play a lot looser which I think is a highly underrated thing for, for this defense is they play better when they're, when they're ahead. And I know that that could probably be said about any defense in the NFL, but where they get that opportunity to just play defense and not have to worry about if we don't get the stop, the offense is going to go down two scores or it's going to be a 10 point game or something along the lines of that. Um, I like that aspect of it. Yeah. Just to touch on the defense playing really well under pressure as well. Uh, you know, and I hadn't really dug up any statistics on it, but it seems like they're forcing red zone turnovers at a very high rate this season. And maybe it's recency bias, right? Because they had two against San Francisco last week, and they had the one against, you know, the one against Buffalo with the Dalton Kincaid fumble. They had the Seattle. They had two. You have two. Turn it was it one turnover and one turnover on downs, two turnovers on downs and a turnover, which to me, a turnover, a turnover on downs is a turnover. a turnover. Yeah, it's a turnover. I mean, they've been unbelievable at yeah, that. Statistic. They've been clutch. They, they've been absolutely clutch in the in the red zone. And yeah, the bend but don't break philosophy works well. As long as they're not getting in the end zone, you can give up field goals or force toner turnovers and uh, you're, you know, probably winning a lot of football games. So um, another guy in the good category. And we haven't really said of him in the in the good category a lot this year is T. Higgins. He had a good game. T. Higgins had a great game. Um, let's see what the stat line was. Eight receptions, 110 yards. 
it seemed like he was uh, kind of Burrow's go-to target with Jamar Chase getting doubled and also just it, it seemed like Jamar was taking uh, just an awkward or big hit anytime he had the ball thrown his way. Um, but yeah, T uh, took advantage of his opportunities. He uh, moved the chains uh, at various points during the game. Um, it looks like he's uh, he's back. Yeah, I, that that's a great one to throw in, and I think another one for me is is just really the defense in a whole. They yeah. play pretty well. I mean that that's a good Buffalo offense, and I think one of the stats that stands out to me the most is, and and you've got the stats here in front of you, Mick, but I'm pretty sure if you look at uh, Gabe Davis. Uh, you're not going to find him on that sheet because I don't think he had a single catch, did he? You're, you're going to find two targets. Two and targets. And nothing then, else. And Stephon Diggs, you take away the one play where uh, it was DJ Turner, I believe, missed the tackle on him, and he had about a 30, 35-yard gain. They did a good job on Diggs as well. Yeah, you know, it didn't seem like Diggs was really much of a factor in the game until late. Uh, Kincaid did have a pretty decent game. It was kind of the Kincaid and Khalil Shakir show on that offense for the majority of the game. Um, you know, and if Khalil Shakir is like your number one targeted receiver, um, you know, it means the defense is probably doing pretty good. Um, uh, and to put in the uh, really good category for the defense, I want to put the coverage unit in there, as you just mentioned, uh, you know, holding the Bills receivers to, fairly uh modest numbers they were they weren't you know robust in any sense uh ctb had a great game with the interception uh cheeto had a few nice you know had, had a, a couple of nice uh pass defenses or passes covered um and then really the thing that i really liked and and, and this is going to sound crazy but the touchdown drive at the end yeah, they gave up a touchdown to Stephon Diggs and gave up a two-point conversion, but they also let the Bills run, I think, half of the clock out during that drive. It wasn't like they were giving up a giant play, you know, for a touchdown. They were, you know, yeah, the Bills were marching down the field, but it seemed like they were in multiple third-down situations, so they're running three sets of downs for every, you know, 10 yards on a lot of uh, on a lot of sets there. and. Um, yeah, it was it was great, like burning clock defense. So I was very happy with the, with the defensive performance. They they really showed out, showed yeah. out again. Anytime you hold the Buffalo Bills to eighteen points, you you did your job. Yeah, I I, I think that that's agree. exactly what you should go on. Do you have any more in the good? Oh wait, I have one in the good. Brad Robbins, he had a good game. Uh, you you, you look at his you look at his stats, and they're not going to pop off the page. But as far as just the average one, and right on cue, Tommy comments the this, this same thing. Uh, absolutely. For that exact reason is all three of his punts that he had, I don't think the yardage-wise was much, but that's because all three of them were inside the 10 and kind of averaged in that 8 to 12-yard mark, which is, is perfect. Uh, he, he did his job exactly what they needed. Tommy, good minds think alike there. Yeah, no, I thought Brad had a really good game, pinned uh, t- pinned the Bills uh, in the 10 or the 20, whatever he needed to. Um, and then I'll, uh, you know, actually b- he bailed out the Bengals on one of the uh, series of downs in the second quarter that I, that's the only thing I have in the ugly category. Yeah, which yeah. We'll, we'll get to that in just I do too. <laughs> it's kind of... So how about the bad? Um, and, and which is that, you know, next tier down, 
I don't really have much as far as that. I, I, I What I was going to throw in there, and it's more just based on some of the things that happened, ironically enough, on that drive, was Alex Kappa. Uh, just because he had a he was a couple of those big penalties in the game. Mm-hmm. Now that kind of ties into that because he's not been that guy. Uh, so I think for one game I can throw Alex Kappa in the bad. Uh, did you appreciate though what Alex Kappa said in the Sunday Night Football intro portion? No, what did he say? And now, of course, I'm not going to remember exactly what he said. I think, and I'm sure Riley or Tommy can comment uh, what exactly he said. But I think he just said like lumberjacks. Or something like that after it. Because he went to Humboldt State. Is that the Humboldt State like mascots, the Lumberjacks? They're not. Oh. Um, Lindsay, we'll come. Well, I see, Lindsay, your question here. And I guess we can we can run into that here. I, the Money Mac, can you explain the play calling? Do not have Money Mac take the shot twice. Maybe you hit mm. that. Are we talking about... Where, the fourth down and sixth, I'm probably assuming, where Money Mac had Is an opportunity the to drive out for the, for the 55-yard field goal. No, this would probably be in the this third the or fourth. fourth quarter. Okay, correct. this is the late I'm the assuming, game one. Correct. Yeah, I didn't I didn't necessarily love it. Um, I, yeah. So is it, that was the fourth and five, right, where they went for it? Or fourth and six, something in that fourth realm. And, it was, so, yeah. It would have been a 55-yard field goal. Mm-hmm. It wasn't very windy, but it was chilly, which does make the ball not fly, fly as far. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I hindsight's 2020 on it because Joe Burrow. Uh, yeah, this Augie writes in says they got a false start to push the field goal to the 60. That was the one in the that second was the second quarter, quarter. Yeah, which we could talk about when it comes to the ugly here. Because that drive was was awful. But as far as that play call, I think it was in the third or the fourth quarter uh, that I I don't disagree. that he, They should have given him a chance to were kick it. Were they up 24 to 10? Or was this when they were only up 21 to 10? I cannot uh, To remember. be honest with you, I, I can't remember with it. But I don't know that it really matters. But at the same time, it's hard for me to ever really disagree with putting the ball in number nine's hands. Yeah. Um, and and that, that to me is always where I'm kind of going to lean into the, I'm never going to be that mad if you go for it. Just because now if they would have gone for it and run the ball, then, or, you know, with Joe Mixon or something, then, then I think you can 100% say what you want. But if you're putting the ball in number nine's hands, I'm never going to be that upset. Yeah, and also, I, I just kind of looked up the score here. So, one, it was a long field goal. Two, they were already up two scores to begin with. They were up 21-10, to 10, and a field goal was still going to make it a two-score game. Um, And then the down and distance, you know, fourth and five is kind of on the longer end of fourth down, you know, attempts. But it's not totally out of the realm of possibility. Uh, for them to get a good conversion out of that, and I mean Joe and Joe and the office, they, the offense, they seemed like they were converting third downs at a pretty high rate um, throughout the game. So they've kind of had that clutch factor to through them the entire game for the most part. So yeah, I'm I don't necessarily disagree with with Zach's uh, you know call to forego the field goal there. 
it's one of those things that did you what was the time on the clock at that moment i'm old and i can't um, remember that. do you not do you not have it in front of you no i have it in front of me it was a uh, 221 or two yeah 213 left so two minutes the, left in the third quarter yes yeah because it, it'd be one of those things that the bengals they pick up the first down there they score a touchdown ball game you know because then it's 27 to 10 game's over because you're thinking that you know it's probably going to take another two minutes to go down and score so you're telling me that you're up 17 at home in the fourth quarter you're going to win those games uh, and, and, and Augie's not wrong. I mean, if we got stopped at that part of the field, you run the risk of giving Buffalo momentum too with a short field. But at the same time, if the Bengals pick it up, they get the momentum and they don't allow that momentum to come up. It, it's one of those things that hindsight's twenty twenty when it comes to it. Uh, because if they would have gotten it, everyone would have loved it and they'd have called Zach Taylor a genius for for taking the risk and going for it. So yeah. I, I, I... Now, the other drive... I don't blame him at all because that was in the ugly category as far as just let's pull our shotguns out and start shooting ourselves in the foot, which for being honest is not something this team does very often at all. No. Cam Taylor Britt gets a huge interception of Josh Allen, which I still don't really know what Josh Allen was trying to do. (laughs) Like Cam Taylor Britt baited him into it, but still it feels like it's one of those plays that Josh Allen makes. And it's why I never will understand why anyone says he's a better quarterback than Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes. Because Patrick Mm -hmm. Mahomes and Joe Burrow don't really make mistakes like that. Whereas Mm -hmm. Allen has at least probably one throw a game that he makes something like that. And you're like, what are what are what are you doing? He's just literally staring him down the entire the entire throw. And Cam Taylor Brett made a good play on it, but at the same time, it's kind of like, what are what are we doing, bud? Like, come on. And then the offense just completely fell apart on that drive. Yeah. They were already in field goal position, I think, when they got the interception. Oh, without a question, yeah. And, you know, you were, you were thinking, well, yeah, this is a great opportunity for them to, at the time, go up two scores. Um, they could have gone up 17-7 to pretty easily at that point in the game, and... They had negative plays. They had penalties. Alex Cap had a false start and then got a hold on a play that Joe Burrow scrambled and picked up the first down, if my memory's right. Yep. And it was a hold, too. I went back and when I watched it, Mm -hmm. it was holding. And then they kicked the field goal. It was good. And if my memory's right, Orlando Brown Jr. was called for a false start. And then it bumped it back to 60, and that's, that's tough to... That's tough to put on McPherson. And then Brad Robbins had a great punt, and your defense was playing well. Yeah, I wanted to um, see what the down and distance was on that punt. So that would have been the first punt of the game, I believe. It was fourth down and long. Fourth, fourth and 15. And long. Oh, wait, no, wrong one. Wrong one here. Fourth down and 20. Yeah. And it would have been a 60-yard field goal. Yeah. 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 Okay, so I don't disagree with the with them wanting to punt that away 60 yards is a pretty long field goal um if you're inside maybe you go for that maybe you, you get McPherson a Denver, chance. you go for it i mean but i but, and plus in that same realm that i know augie had said is especially in that moment that early on in the game is you know you get stopped he misses that field goal or it gets blocked or something buffalo gets great field position and then next thing you know it's a tie game 
so I, I think that was right there. But as far as the ugly, that was just awful because it was things that the Bengals don't typically do. They were mm-hmm. doing there. And that to me was the most frustrating thing. Luckily, and they gave up points for doing that. Yeah. They, they sat, you know, they, this could have been a two score win because of, yeah. you know, if they, if they literally just kneeled the ball down for three plays. Now, I'm not saying they should have kneeled the ball down, but they were in field goal range and you, you just can't do that. So, but that's the only thing in the ugly category for yeah, me. I, I completely, a, the run completely game agree. wasn't great. Uh, they made plays when they needed to, or Joe Mixon made plays when he needed to running the ball. Um, it didn't seem like he had the greatest of field vision in this game. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I just, yeah, I wasn't too enthralled with it. Now, I will say with Joe Mixon, though. And we talk about the ability to be clutch. I think Joe Mixon is a really good closer at running back. That first down to end the game, I, you know, that looked like a negative, play, a negative play waiting to happen. And Joe Mixon was able to bounce it outside and get a first down, and you know, and gets it's a ball game. So I don't know. I don't know. There, there's a lot of uh, there's like a real uh, volatility when it comes to Mixon running football. Yeah, uh, I think overall, though, like you said, right now, this time of year, in my eyes, we could put literally every play of the game in the ugly. But as long as at the end of the day, the score means the Bengals have one more point than the other team. I don't really care. Like, yeah. just just as as Al Davis said, just win, baby, win, because that's all that really matters is they got to find a way to just win games going up against good teams and uh, you can do it. And, and I agree here with what Augie said, too. I love how late in the game, all we need is first down, and Joe's airing it out to T on second and six with two minutes left. I agree. I love that. Number nine, you just paid him that much money. You're going to win or you're going to lose because of number nine. Yeah. And and, and that's I, I'm aggressive like that. Not everyone is. Everyone else would have probably said run the ball, but Joe Mixon also is is not always the most efficient runner. And when you're trying to run the clock out, I think you're better at running your little screen offense than you are at putting the ball in Joe Mixon's hands. Uh, anything else you want to mention as far as the Bills game? Uh, no, I think we pretty much covered everything there. So now let's switch gears and talk about Sunday at 1 o'clock. We're back to the good old afternoon games. The Cincinnati Bengals are back home for the second straight week to take on the Houston Texans. At Paycor Stadium, it is the salute to service game. Bob Trumpy is going to be the ruler of the jungle. Of course, you know, legendary Bengal and a longtime radio host in the area as well. It'll be good to see him out there and uh, leading the chant in the, in the Houdé, you know, the Houdé chant there right before the game. Game is going to be on CBS. Kevin Harlan is going to be on the call. Trent Green is okay. the guy, and I'm a little, it, it's one of these, and I'm like, can we not have saved Kevin Harlan for a road game? Because I love Kevin Harlan. He, he's got a, uh, he's got the great voice. Uh, he's one of my favorite uh, broadcasters. He does have the line, though, that I'll never forget about poor Nick Vigil against <laughs> Lamar Jackson. Do you remember what he said? I don't remember what he said, but I have the play visualized yes. in my head now. Lamar Jackson's running down the field and and did it put a spin move on Nick Vigil. And I think Kevin Harlan live goes, oh, he put him in a blender. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's that's a great line. And now I can laugh about it. At the time, Houdini, 
he it's it's great uh he's 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 fantastic uh when it comes to all of that uh the official for today for sunday's game or do you know who it is mick have you looked it up yet no um i'm gonna guess okay because i i've got I do you want to know I don't, should i give you his stats how about i give you his his record in the me. bengals game if you can't play it in recent Bengal game, what's his okay? Most I guess Chase put him in a blender, and Lamar was he's Houdini. Okay. Do you want us to know his record in games or the Bengals' record in games he's officiated, and see if you can't pull him out, or do you just want to guess regardless? Um. Well, give me a Bengals record, but if you have the most recent Bengals game, I I can't do that. It's too. It would be too much of a giveaway. I believe. I don't know if it would. He did two Bengals games, one playoff game, and he also did the game at the Titans last year. The Bengals are 5-11-1 in games that he has refed. Cleet, Cleet Blakeman. Incorrect. Damn it. Um, Good old double C, Carl Jeffers. Carl Jeffers. Okay. The I Bengals are 5-11-1 in games he's refed. The one tie... If you pull this out, I guess there there've been like six in recent years. Which tie was it that he was uh the on the whistle for? It's great podcasting. Let's go Bengals Panthers 2014. Incorrect. Bengals and the team formerly known as Washington, I guess Washington. Oh, the London game. Correct, the London game. Good guess by Augie here. Philly 2020. <laughs> Love that we can now just name Bengals ties. Like most teams, you could we say it was the game that they many in a while. Yes, but still, most teams you can say, "Oh, it's the game we tied," and they will immediately say, "Oh, it was this game." But no, it's the Bengals. It's the uh, the little bit. If it's the ref, the Bengals hired or that Roger hired to rig the game in the other team's favor, I will skip the game. No, I he uh, he Which hasn't one? done this. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, apparently, if this makes you feel any better, I, when I was reading about Carl Cheffers, Chiefs fans do not like him. Do they really not? Apparently, he is their Ron Torbert. Okay. Now, does that mean I've anything? Got a per- I, personal question for you. Oh, gosh. Who are you picking between these two? Ron between... Torbert? No, 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 no. Oh. Not between Cheffers and Torbert. Ron Torbert? Or John uh, if Perry. you're going to say Jer- uh, Ron Torbert, without question, <laughs> John Perry is the worst. Don't even get me started about John Perry. How about the injury report? For the Bengals, some big ones. Did not practice today, Jamar Chase, with a back injury. We'll come back to that here in a second. Did not practice today, Sam Hubbard with an ankle. Josh Tupo was limited with a shoulder injury. Or Josh Tupo did not practice with a shoulder. Jalen Davis, ADG, and T. Higgins were all limited. Charlie Jones and CTB were both full. For me, the biggest thing that stands out there, Mick, is probably the biggest thing that stands out there for you as well, and that's Jamar Chase. He took a couple of big hits in that game uh, on on rewatch. I was like, wow, I don't know how the hell this guy's coming back. Like after, especially after the deep pass where you and and, I could both tell he was, that was early, wasn't it? That happened right right in front of us. Yes. And you could tell when he got up, he kind of he kind of walked immediately to the yeah. sideline and was a little bit slow. I, I'm a little worried about that. Uh, but Blake does bring up a good point. Josh or Joe always does it without Chase. Uh, watch Irwin go off. 
I mean, he has played know, well always. without Jamar Chase. Uh, we, we he has struggled, one, though, against the Cleveland clunker, Browns. Yeah, one clunker in there. But, yeah, 3-1 without Jamar. Um, That just proves how, you know, how crucial number nine is. But, yeah, I mean, you, you, you really wish Jamar could be out there, especially given how banged up the Houston Texans defense could be going we'll into talk, this game. We'll mention that here in just a moment. But I think with for me, Jamar, Tomorrow is going to be the day that's going to decide it. If he's limited yeah. tomorrow, I think he plays. If he doesn't practice tomorrow, I don't think he plays on Sunday. Yeah. because uh, And I think what you could easily see is Charlie Jones uh, come back and get activated and and have a role. Now, he wouldn't play the the chase role, but I think you, we've seen some good things from Trenton Irwin, obviously. We've also seen some good things from Yoshi. Yeah. It's just, this is the most deep or the most skilled... I think wide receiver room the Bengals have had in a long time. And, and theoretically, if they even wanted to, they can raise up. They've got a couple of guys in the practice squad as well. They've got Kwame Lasseter. They've got Kendrick Pryor. Could we see the actual Kendrick Pryor debut? Is for the he, Cincinnati is he Bengals? back? Yes, he's back. He back. Oh, yeah, he's cool. back uh, probably six weeks ago. He came back to the practice squad. Oh, cool. When uh, T got hurt, they brought him back. Okay. Because they weren't entirely sure, obviously, what the status of him would have been. Okay. Are you ready here for the uh, Texans practice report? Okay, the Tennessee or the Tennessee Texans. The Tennessee Texans uh, have twenty-three players on their injury report, including nine starters who did not practice today. Are you ready, Mick? I got it here. Yep. I got to get a drink. I got to get a drink here before I <laughs> okay. go through them as fast as you can. Did not practice. Will Anderson Jr., starter, out with a knee. Andrew Beck, fullback, starter, out with an ankle, elbow, and shoulder. Poor guy. (laughs) Probably would have been easier for them to list what he's okay with. Uh, Starting Will linebacker, Blake Cashman, knee. Kaimi Fairbairn, their kicker, quad. Jake Hansen, backup linebacker, hamstring and hand. Poor guy. Brevin Jordan, backup tight end, foot. Steven Nelson, starting cornerback, a back and neck. Damian Pierce, their starting running back, ankle. Laramie Tunsil, their starting left tackle, a knee. Jimmy Ward, their starting safety, hamstring. Robert Woods, starting wide receiver, is out with a foot. Those are all of the players that did not practice. That's nine starters that did not practice in today's game. Now on to the limited. Nico Collins, wide receiver with a calf. Jonathan Grenard, with uh, he uh, defensive end, shoulder. Henry Tau, is it Tau Tau? I don't, I can never remember how to say his name from Alabama. He's out with a concussion. He was limited with a linebacker. George Fant, go tops. Uh, right tackle, limited with a knee. Titus Howard, their left guard, limited with a knee. MyJ Sanders, defensive end, limited with a knee. Derek Stingley was activated from IR. He was limited with a hamstring injury. Okay, full position players, full participation. Charlie Heck. Christian Harris, Josh Jones, John Mechie III, and Sheldon Rankins were all uh, full participation. But I think if we're going just on the do not participate in practice, which again, it's still Wednesday, so there's a lot of time that can change. Nine starters didn't practice today? That's huge, Mick. Yeah. Um, I don't I want to correct you. Yeah, I don't want to correct you here, but I will. 
Uh, you accidentally said Nico Collins was a limited participant. He did not participate in practice well, according, with calf injury. According to mine, he says he was limited. This is the official NFL one. So, Oh, I'm on the Bengals. Yeah, uh, this website. is from the Texans. Okay. Says that he was well, limited. Regardless, he's... Anyways, this is a long list. This is... I haven't seen this long of an inactive player list or an injured player list since 2020. And that didn't really have anything to do with injuries. Yeah, I mean, and, and the biggest thing to me is these are some big guys. I mean, Will Anderson Jr., you know, their number, what was he, fourth pick, fifth pick, you know, at sixth third. pick, third, yeah. Number three. Third pick in the draft, me. That's a big one. Your kicker. I mean, they had to have like a backup running back pick a field they goal did. and he hit I it. I can't remember who it was. Um, he hit it. It was, uh, I think it was, uh, uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, yep. Arike Ogumbawale's brother. Dare. Uh, I think is his first name. Yes, you're right. Uh, Steven Nelson, you know, starting cornerback. No relation. Back in a neck. I, I, you all look identical. <laughs> uh, Laramie Tunsil. That's a big one. I mean, your, your left tackle, you saw what the Bengals did. Uh, when the 49ers didn't have their left tackle, Trey Hendrickson just starts frothing at the mouth. He gets so happy. They might as I, well just put not C.J. Stroud in. They should just put in Davis Mills for this game. If everybody else is injured, and who, I, I guess how many how many offensive linemen out of these guys? I think there's only I guess maybe Tunzel's the only offensive lineman that didn't participate. Now you got Fant Howard and. Heck, Jones, bunch of tackles. These are not. Okay, are you there? Yeah, yeah. What my, happened? my internet. I think up? my internet. My internet decided that it didn't want to work there for a second. But I think. Are Ooh. you? Can you hear me now? Yeah, you're here. I yeah. feel like we're on those old old. I didn't uh, even know you left. Oh, did I'm you just not rambling you, on? Oh well, I hope. Which I don't know that anything you just said went off. Oh, went yeah, over I, air. Well, but. What did you say? We can say it again because I didn't get to hear any of it. I don't. So I wasn't sure. So the only offensive lineman that didn't participate was Tunzel. But uh, you know, I was thinking there were there were more. But they did have two that were limited: George Fant, starting right tackle, and Titus Howard, who's their starting left guard. Leroy, are there no other quarterbacks on the open market? Sam Howell. Sam Howell, Leroy. Was Sam Howell available in your league? Speaking of that, now that you're saying this, I did make a claim for Sam Howell in our league, and I highly doubt I got him, but I had to check today. So thanks for reminding me. Um, you're welcome. Do you, do you know, do you know I who did I'm not looking get to get? I did not league? get him. I am looking for... In fact, we both put Will in a claim Levis. for Sam Howell, Will and Levis. we did not get it. Who the hell got him? I don't know. And, I give up on that league. Screw that league. I don't like it. <laughs> I really, I really put together a real like dumpster fire of a roster here. Let's uh, let's go into the game itself though, and let's start with the Bengals' offense against this bill against this Bills' defense against the Texans' defense. <laughs> For me, yeah, I didn't update my sheet. I just used the same one and updated every week with with the information, but I forgot to change that point. So when I looked down, I just read it. I, I would call the uh, the Texans, you know, mid tier defense. They are in most of the rankings. They're Decently good against the run, uh, average against the pass. Uh, they do have some good defensive linemen, if healthy. You know, Will Anderson hasn't had necessarily the numbers, only two sacks this season, 
But Sheldon Rankins is a guy that, you know, is, is always a really solid defensive guy. Mm-hmm. But if you look at that, at that, uh, you know, the injury report, there's multiple guys on there that'll be huge. But I think the Spangles offense can can clearly move the ball against him. Yeah, uh, I would say this is probably in the bottom half of defenses they've played this far. I would say it's pretty comparable to the Bills defense. Yeah, I I think it's pretty comparable where the the front four doesn't necessarily scare me. Now they do have Will Anderson who might play and then Jonathan Grenard's been having a pretty decent year. But um, Malik Collins, Sheldon Rankin's also up there. I mean, it's uh, it's. It's an okay up front four, um, but it's not like, you know, anything that's really intimidating, I think, for the offense, or it's not really too much for the offense to handle. The linebacking unit, I think, is a little bit better than Buffalo's. Uh, They have Blake Cashman and Denzel Perryman as the two starting linebackers there. Both are pretty decent. But as a reminder, Blake Cashman did not practice today with a knee. Oh, jeez, please. So it's he, hard to keep on track of this stuff. So it, yeah, he, it is, but but it's something that we want to definitely let's mention. Just assume he might he might play. Yeah, no, no, and uh, but I think yeah. it's something that you know you mentioned that if he plays, he's a big aspect. But I think you you saying that he's a big aspect and me putting him on the injury report is a huge story as well because that's missing yeah. a big aspect of their defense, and that's why exactly. I kind of mentioned it there for sure. Yeah, and then. Uh, Defensive backs are pretty decent. Now, I'm not sure. So, who the hell is on the injury report here? So, Steven Nelson. Steven Nelson is the only one listed on their injury report that did. And then Jimmy Ward, starting safety, did Jimmy not Ward. practice as far as their defensive backs. Okay. And really, that's it. So, they did not practice. And then Derek Stingley is coming back. He was entered into that 21-day window from the hamstring injury. Now, mm-hmm. I'm sure that uh, Joe, uh, Joe Burrow would probably love to go up against Derek Stingley. Former yep. LSU guy, I'm, and I'm sure Jamar would love to have an opportunity to go up against him as well if Jamar is healthy. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think that would be a pretty intriguing matchup there. Um, you know, Derek Stingley, it, it's it's kind of weird. He was like, you know, he had that wonderful freshman season at LSU, which I think that was on the 2019 championship team, if I remember correctly. Correct. And. Uh, you know, I think he got hurt his sophomore year and then it just never really recovered. Um, but yeah, no, that would be an intriguing matchup. If we're talking about the Texans offense, I CJ Stroud has been very surprising. Very surprising. I totally thought he was going to be like any other Ohio State quarterback trying yeah. to do something in the NFL. Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree. I didn't think he was going to be an NFL quarterback. And he has been really, really good. And he deserves a lot of credit for that. He's been really good. Yeah. What, 470 yards last week? Yeah, record Five last putties. week against the Buccaneers. Made some really good throws. Uh, and he's he's put the Texans in the potential to potentially even be in the conversation for a wild card spot which mm-hmm. I don't think even the most optimistic Texans fans thought that they had a shot of this year. No, uh, but that, that just kind of proves to show how well coached they are and, uh, you know, how much, you know, no, no disrespect to David Colley and Lovey Smith, but uh, how, you know, how much it means to have a legitimate 
head coach and coaching staff, you know, take the reins and also getting their, their franchise quarterback doesn't hurt. Uh, getting a, an offensive uh, coordinator that comes from the Shanahan tree. It seems like the Stroud um, experience is off to a good start. The defense looks like it's well coached and it looks like uh, I think the Texans could be a force for uh, years to come. Uh, I think, the I think it's going to be a really good game if, if, they, if they come out healthy. I, I think one of the other aspects to it was a guy that I had on my list that I would have loved to have seen the Bengals draft, Tank Dell, who is out of Houston. He's been really good for them. Uh, as a, the guy he, is electric. A great returner. He was one of those guys that when Darren Simmons said at the Combine or whenever it was that I want a returner to put the fear of God in the other team, I immediately thought, Tank Dell, yes, please. Yes, he's great. I, I want him on the team, even if it was just that. Now, Charlie Jones has been great, don't get me wrong, but Tank Dell, he is the X factor that the Bengals, I mean, I don't think he's a Rondale Moore, you know, or in that realm or a Tutu Atwell. No, he's a legitimate receiver. Correct. And He's not a so that's guy. where I think he, uh, he, he to me is one of the X factors of the game. Yeah. I think, uh, I think one really intriguing matchup for us to watch in this game is going to be this, uh, this young receiving group of the Houston Texans, as long as they're healthy, go up against our, our secondary. You know, I was really worried about the Bills game because I think the Bills have a really good receiving core. Um, and the, you know, and, and the Bengals secondary hadn't necessarily showed up to that point. Um, and they definitely shut me up last week. So, you know, I'm hoping that they kind of carry that momentum into the game against Houston because, you know, I didn't think this, uh, receiving core was going to be as good going into the season. And, uh, they've kind of shown that they have a lot of good young pieces. Nico Collins has finally taken that next step. Dalton Schultz had an incredible game on Sunday. Tank Dell has been, I would say, the best rookie wide receiver in football. It's either him or Zay Flowers at this point. Or Puka Jordan Nikua. Addison. Or Puka, Puka. I, Puka looks like a seasoned bet at this point. I don't even know if I can put him in the in the rookie category anymore. Um, but yeah, and also, you know, C.J. Stroud. CJ Stroud's just been And I think um, one of the one of the aspects that CJ Stroud has a good thing coming for him is he's got a solid offensive line. You know, yeah. uh, Laramie Tunsil at left tackle, Titus Howard at left guard. And then I gotta gotta shout out my guy, George Fant. You know, <laughs> was, I, he, was he like a, a guy they signed because one of their offensive linemen went down? No, or was he he's their starting right tackle? Game? Okay. And George Fant has the interesting story too of he never played football in college. Uh, he was technically on the team at Western Kentucky, but never appeared in a game. He played basketball at Western He's a Kentucky. Basketball player, really? He was a basketball player. Yep, the pride okay. of Bowling Green. He went to Warren Central High School down here in my in my neck of the woods. So it was just just interesting. So every time I think about George Fan, I got to give a give a shout out to my tops. And then we can also give a shout out to Anthony, another uh, valued listener. Uh, these aren't players. I could care less what they think. Why would you tag me in this? These are regular football nerds, and y'all think I care about this video. I care about the Bengals, not nerd groups of the Bengals. Mick, another uh, happy customer on our end. Yeah. Good day, Anthony. Thanks for the comment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then, Blake, I appreciate you coming to our, uh, into our defense. I football nerd. We've been called worse. 
Yeah, I've been calling a lot of terrible things um, <laughs> today. Not yeah. even just in my life. I mean, I've. You could probably just hop into our admin group chat and you've been called something much worse. You know, uh, it's okay. Who day, Anthony? It was a, that was a wonderful comment for, for me to read. Um, <laughs> Special teams. I think it'll be interesting, the Fairbairn injury. Because I have not seen, and to be honest with you, I didn't really look much, if they tried out any kickers. Because yeah. even just trying out, signing them, because now you can sign somebody to the practice squad. Maybe Fat Randy is around. And I think Fat Randy got signed by somebody, but maybe Fat Randy could make his return to Houston for a one game only. And there goes his calf. Oh, we're making calf Ooh. jokes again. Oh, which, which calf was it though? No, Fat um, Randy's with yes. the Giants, sadly. Yes. He's with the Giants? Oh, yeah. He is with we, the Giants. We were talking about yeah, we, that. We talked about that either on the podcast last week or, or, or something. But, yeah, it's so sadly Fat Randy. And and it, we're still we're past the trade deadline, too, so it's not like the Texans could trade a first-round pick for Fat Randy. Uh, so Or maybe three or four first-round picks, because let's be real, he'd be worth every every pick of that. Uh, one one first-round pick for each calf he has, right? Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. Um so yeah, Fat Randy's off the market. Who's the who's the kicker we had? Not Jake Elliott. There was somebody that because we were all pissed off with Fat Randy. Uh he was the kicker. Oh, the guy for Louisville. So- yeah, he played soccer Louisville. at Louisville. Yeah, I can't remember Jonathan, his name. Was it Jonathan something? Jonathan, Jonathan Brown? Jonathan Brown. Jonathan. That's definitely I think that's right. Maybe he'll maybe he'll play for the Texans. I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't know. Sebastian Janikowski, come on down. Adam you know? Vinatieri, he's only like 65 years old, but p- could probably still do it. Like or maybe just that, that backup running back. He, he kicked the ball uh, decently well. Uh, okay, Mick, your keys to the game here for the Bengals and the Texans. Yeah. Let me guess. So, Is pass rush one of them? No, I'm going to go with the coverage unit this time because they were a pleasant surprise last week against uh, Buffalo's receiving group. So um, I'm going to go with the coverage unit against this uh, potentially really good Texans receiving group. I think that they're going to have to show out. They're going to have to find a way to contain Tank Dell and his explosiveness. Um, So, yeah, I'll say that's a key to victory for the defense. Key to victory on the offense is to just give Joe Burrow the ball and let him do what Joe Burrow does. That's a, that's, that's all I've that's, got. That's a hot, that's all you hot need to key do. right there. Hot it take. is. Yeah. That's what that's, that's what Anthony came here for, Mick. He came here to listen <laughs> for hot takes. Like give okay. Joe Burrow the ball. We'll, we'll try to give a more thought provoking answer to this. Uh, if Jamar Chase doesn't play, find a way to continue to spread the ball around to uh, other offensive skill players. There we which, go. There we go. That was a maybe, little more insightful, but not much. Maybe, maybe Anthony will uh, will be a bigger fan. I think of Anthony needs to come on the show. Anthony, maybe we should invite him on. I'm going to, I'm going to spam. I'm going to spam this guy for the, for the rest <laughs> of this week and tell him, Hey, we really want you on the show. Please join. Good day, Adrian. Thanks for uh, joining us for this. Blake says TB is going to go for 100. In this game, uh, Dennis writes and says CJ is okay. a good quarterback for the Texans, but he's just not in Joe Burrow's league. Sick and tired of people hyping no, up the Texans not. like they're some great team. They're just okay. That's all. Lindsay seems to agree that we should have Anthony on the show. So maybe maybe we can reach out and see 
if uh, he could do this. There was just a spider that was on my floor, Mick, and I just looked down and he's gone. And that Are kind you of worries afraid of me. bugs? No, but he was kind of a big spider. And I more just want to know where he is so that after we're done here in the next couple of minutes, I can get rid of him. But now that yeah, he's yeah. gone, I'm just going to wait and he's going to be crawling, crawling up my face or something. How about our picks? Yeah. Our pick for this game. Do you want to go first or second today? Um, I'll let you go first. I usually go first. I think you do. Uh, okay, Peter Parker. Yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe I could be Peter Parker after the spider uh, bites me here later. Because I don't know where he went. He was just sitting on the floor over there, but now he's gone. Uh, Bengals 31, Texans 17. This game's not going to be close. Uh, Bengals yeah, dominate from the opening kick. It's not going to be close. You might see a touchdown late that brings it closer. This, to me, feels a lot like a Panthers or a Falcons game last year. Bengals 31, Falcons 17. Bengals 41, Texans 17. 41! We'll go another touchdown here. Um, a touchdown and a field goal. I do agree with your sentiment. This does feel like uh, like a Falcons-Panthers game from last year. Now the Texans are a little bit better of a team, but one, they're banged up. Two, they just came, they're they're just coming off like the, the hardest fought game I think that they've had so far this season. So uh, you, you can imagine they're probably going to be a little gassed, probably a little less focused after the game against Tampa. Um, you know, you typically see that, you know, when, when teams have games like they did against like they did against the box. So I think it's going to be a blowout 41, 17 Bengals. Uh, and then this too is a lot of it as well. That's their injury yes. report. Yes. The injury is very long. It is very lengthy. And that is another big reason as to why I, I think the Bengals handle this one relative. Now it wouldn't shock me if this game is close. Yeah. I, it wouldn't I, shock me either. I would be very disappointed if the Bengals lose. Now, more, I'm disappointed every game, but I think this one would be. Uh, Blake says, these games scare me. An average team against a Bengals team that's dominated two very good teams. It's not primetime at a game that may go under the radar. With that said, Bengals 31-21. I think there is an aspect of this that is very true, is that this is in between two primetime games, and really you could even say three. If you want to call San Francisco a primetime game, it was you know 425. It was technically 1 o'clock out there, but everyone's eyes were watching that. And on Thursday... I think an argument could be made. It's the most important game of the season yeah. uh, at Baltimore. Uh, so I think that there is some truth to what Blake says. And then after that, you've, you've got the Steelers. So this, this is what you would call a trap game, but I really don't think trap games exist when Joe Burrow is your quarterback. Yeah, for sure. Uh, also another tidbit of information that's uh, regarding the Texans game. That's, that's in the good category here is that, this is the first time we played against Houston at home in a long time that it wasn't a primetime game where the where the team disappointed and lost. Actually, they might have done that the uh, they might have done that also the the other year because I'm trying to think. Anytime I've seen the Texans actually play here, I think the Bengals have lost. Well, well, like we've said, we I asked you a couple of weeks ago, Joe Burrow. There's now two teams in the NFL he's not played. Texans, the Houston Texans, and do you Giant. remember the other one? And the Giants. New York Giants. So, so he'll be able to check that off his list. Yeah. No, it seems like any time, because the last time the Texans were here, what year was that? That was 2017. Did they not play here in 19? I don't think I don't they know. did. No, they played the Jag. 
Maybe they played the Texans. 20, I, no, it saying, would have been 19. They would have the Texans would have won the division that year with uh, with Deshaun. Uh, no, I think it was 2017, week two. You know, one of those two awful Zampezi games when that got him fired. So that yes, was you're one right. of them. Twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen, the uh the first loss of the season, I think. In twenty fifteen, Monday night football. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I'm just scrolling through some of the old schedules with that, but I this is a different different Bengals regardless since the last time that they played, because it, the last time that the Bengals played the uh Texans, uh Brandon Allen was started a quarterback. It was. And they shut down Deshaun Watson. And, I mean, Deshaun Watson had a good game, but they outscored Deshaun Watson, which is not necessarily what I expected them to do. Uh, that's when we were feeling, like, shockingly good because they had just beat – that was right after they beat the Steelers on Monday Night Football, I believe. Yeah, I totally thought they were going to lay an egg against the Texans next uh, week just because of how hard fought that, that Steelers game was. But and, uh, and I will absolutely go down as saying that that will be one of my all-time favorite wins is Brian Finley against the Steelers on Monday Night Football. That will always go down as a as a great one. So much to the point that Nick had to recreate the famous smile when we were on the field a couple of weeks ago. Um, remember that you can always watch our show every week. There is a chance that we might be on a different day next week. Uh, because of uh, some things outside of our control, and then also just because it's Thursday night football next week. So we might have to make some changes uh, with that. So make sure you follow our social media channels, uh, Jungle Juice on Facebook. You can subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Make sure you also follow our good buddy, Josh Isles, over WDN Today. Uh, He does great work over there. Uh, We're also streaming on his page. Make sure you follow it there. Uh, you can also go back and listen to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. We have Spotify, we have iTunes, we have iHeartRadio, we have all of the different ways for you to to go back and listen. Make sure you do that and subscribe there. Give us a five star review, uh, just like Anthony, or would a do. one star, Anthony, you know, or zero star. You do whatever you want. Anthony, I think, is giving us a five star review after this, and maybe Anthony will like our page after. Maybe I we're definitely going to have to invite him to like our page. See, There's I, no question you know, about that. I'm really, I'm really happy we got our first heckler though. Yes, it's it's taken 13 episodes, but we finally got our first one. Three months. People uh, should talk sh- more crap. Are, are we sure that? Uh, are we sure that's not your friend, Anthony? Yeah, you, it's you, not got, Anthony Spencer. No, it is not. It's not his burner. No, no. he's trying to trying to fool us with this. I don't but, think uh, it is. He would have only <laughs> he will, he only he only would have talked during the Seahawks week, I think. So, and how'd that go for him? That'll wrap up our show. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. We'll be, we'll see you next week as we recap the Texans game and preview what I think might be the biggest game of the season against the Baltimore Ravens on Thursday night football uh, with Al, Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit next there Thursday. So until next time, uh, we're going to say who day. Who day, guys. Thanks for watching. <laughs>